Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Jesse. I am the youth pastor here. We are wrapping up a series we've been in uh, for a couple of weeks in Ephesians chapter 1. So I'd invite you to go there if you have a Bible. Uh, we're going to camp out today in verses 13 and 14 of Ephesians chapter 1 uh, for our time together. And uh, these verses read as follows. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amazing verses. Why don't we pause for a word of prayer before we continue. Father, thank you for this group of people that have gathered freely to hear from you this morning, and I pray that that would happen. Would your words uh, impact me, impact all of us, and take us to a place of greater flourishing for your glory, for our good. We invite you to move in power over these next few minutes. We need, we need you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Uh, so I'll start with uh, a confession. My confession is that I, I, I'm very skeptical about marketing in today's culture. Uh, I find that a lot of uh, companies and people really like to oversell their product or their uh, thing that they, that they want you to take, up, uh, take part of. Uh, this is especially true, I, I notice this in youth ministry as a youth pastor. We, we often try to really pitch things to our students as if it's like, this is going to be the best pizza you have ever eaten at the best night you've ever been to, so you should come out to this, right? And, and, I, and I just can't stand this kind of stuff, so, and my wife points this out, I, I don't oversell anything. I find it very hard. I find it so inauthentic. And, you know, maybe you've experienced this where you, you show up uh, to, to vacation in a certain city, and you hop on Google, you're, you're scrolling through the Yelp reviews to go, okay, well, where are we going to eat tonight? Where's the best sushi? Uh, where are we going to grab coffee? Uh, because we know vacation is just eating in different places than we normally do, and uh, as we're going through this, we're scrolling, and we, you know, we go to TripAdvisor, okay, well, where's uh, the best hotel? Uh, is it near uh, the best park so that I can take my kids to that? Uh, and it's all about the best, the best, the best, the best, and I find, and I'm, I'm hesitant around that type of language, because it's like, I think we're really trying to oversell things uh, that are just somebody else's opinion. Like tonight uh, is the Academy Awards in Hollywood, and, and all of the awards that are given out uh, come with this description of it was the best picture of last year or this was the best performance by an actress or the best uh, cinematography, the best, the best, the best. And of course we know a lot of that's nonsense because most of those movies aren't good and we don't want to watch them, they're boring. Uh, and those actors, they, they shouldn't have been nominated at all, but whatever. And it's like, okay, well, well what, what is actually authentic when we're pitching things? And so maybe like, like me, you, you show up at a series like this, it's called The Best Life. And even in a church setting, sometimes it's like, okay, but tell me why. Like, like why is that? And that's been the whole goal of this series. Uh, we're not overselling this, all right? This is not an oversell. In fact, I think uh, as I look at my life and as I maybe look at the church, it's like I think we've actually dramatically undersold the life that comes through Jesus. And so uh, we're going to spend our time looking at, well, why actually is this called the best life. Why are we, why are we thinking that would be uh, the case? So uh, let's go back to verse 13 here, where it says, and you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, 
So first of all, our message uh, is not a made-up, fake, mythological thing. Our claim is that it's actually true. And beyond that, that there's good reasons for, for belief. That it's grounded in, in, in science and history and philosophy, archaeology, astrophysics, biology, uh, the study of scripture, all of these things working together, even with our experience as, as we take the, the word of God, as we take the promises of God and make them our own, we find that there's actually a confidence that we get because this stuff is true. Which is really an important reminder for us because uh, most of us in this room have some sort of confusion around uh, the Christian belief. A lot of us might have some doubts. Uh, maybe you're a skeptic and you're, you're, you know, you're giving church a chance this morning and it's like, I have a lot of questions. Uh, that is good because our belief system, our worldview, our God says is, is, he's not afraid of this stuff. You can test it out. You can take it. You can verify it. And you should wrestle with your doubts. Because, and even Paul gets this later in the same book of Ephesians, the truth is in Jesus. Not just some set of ideas or, or phrases to ascribe to. No, the truth is bound up in a person. Jesus himself says this in John chapter 14 where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we need to use our doubts, use your frustrations, use your questions, because if you do use them at the end of, the, at the end of all of them, you're going to arrive at Jesus. And the invitation is there. Not just because, you know, your parents told you this whole thing was true or that, you know, that uh, aunt you had who's been attending church for like 70 years told you it's true uh, or because some pastor told you it's true. It's true because God has acted. God has spoken in history. And you can actually verify this. You don't need to shut your mind up and have a blind belief that's based on nothing. No, it's based on good reason. This is the message of truth. But, but, and this is where I, I hesitate still, it's like, okay, well, just because something is true, though, does not mean that something is also helpful. Uh, just because something is true doesn't mean it's beneficial, useful, relevant, or even good, right? Like, my family attended the 9 a.m. service this morning, and I have uh, a wife and two kids. One is three, one is one. And I find that if my one-year-old, uh, if he were to nap for, like, two to five minutes on the car ride home, the truth would be he would skip his two-hour nap in the afternoon. Anybody else, any other parents, like, know what that's like? That's just the worst, right? Like, that is a truth, but it's not good. It's not a good truth. And it gets worse because if that truth happens, if he does skip his two-hour nap, another truth will occur where he skips his two-hour nap, and then that ensues another six hours of chaos and anger and badness unfolding, right? Like, it's just because just something is true does not make it good or useful or helpful, especially as a parent. There's lots of truths that are not good. Um, but um, sympathize with me, uh, you know, right? But, but, and this is, this is the amazing thing. Our God and our message and our belief is not just objectively true. It's universally good. Here's where it goes uh, in verse 13 as well. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The gospel. That's a, that's a churchy term that we uh, use to, to convey what is good news. And salvation meaning for everybody. Like everybody has a need for rescue. 
We've talked about uh, the good news and we unashamedly come back to this week after week because it's really the only thing we have uh, to offer uh, outside of, of everything else the culture offers. This is our exclusive unique package is the good news of what God has done in Jesus. And uh, we've, we've talked about it a lot of different ways, but one of the main kind of summarizing ways we've done is to describe it in four movements. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And this one story is told across the 66 books that make up what we believe to be God's word, the Bible, this authority in our lives that, that tells this amazing narrative from history to eternity future. And it's just an incredible story where we start with creation and, and this creator God who's got all this power, all this purpose, creates out of nothing all that we see, all that's amazing, and his design is perfect and good. And humanity is actually like the treasure, the, the crown jewel of this whole creative act. The story takes a dark turn uh, rather quickly, though, because our ancestors forget all that God said. They ignore all of who he is and what he's done. Uh, and they make themselves to be God. They rebel against him, which is a problem because a perfect God cannot be in relationship with imperfect beings. And this whole new era is launched of, of a curse of sin. This, this, this word meaning rebellion and revolt against the, the, the king of the universe. And death. And the evil spiritual forces that come with that that now launch a whole new problem for humanity and the cosmos. But God's immediate reaction, though, isn't to, to scrap the plan and, and, and start over and, and just, and just you know, abandon the whole thing. No, he, he loves his creation, so his immediate response is to promise a solution. And throughout the pages of our, our Old Testament, uh, we see promise after promise, outworking after outworking, God coming alongside a people to bless the whole world. And that was going to become uh, through a person. And that person, we find, amazingly, is God himself and the person of Jesus coming to earth. Because God so loved, again, he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. See, what, what sin did, what rebellion did, what this revolt against the source of life did, is it meant that we were actually put in a place that we couldn't help ourselves out of. Sin uh, didn't just make us, you know, wrong or bad and that we needed to become good. No, sin made us dead. And the problem is that we need to be made alive. We're in darkness. We need to be moved to light. And so this is where the solution comes in. When Jesus arrives, sin might have brought death, but Jesus comes to bring life. And he comes to do that by living a perfect life that we could not, by dying a death in our place so that his righteousness could be exchanged for our wrongdoing. And then he, in an amazing climactic act, he defeats death and sin and the grave and the powers of evil and comes back to life, which is why we have a whole good news to present to us uh, and, and to think about and to live out of. Because all of that has launched a whole new era of history where Jesus has now ascended back to heaven and provided this gateway for the Holy Spirit to break into our lives for us to live in power now, to live in newness now, freedom now from all that used to plague us before. And one day he's going to come back and restore the entirety of the cosmos. This is our story from start to finish. Creation to new creation. Genesis to Revelation. And it is profoundly good. There is no better story. And so our message is not only true in that you can go and, and, and test out all of, of that story. But our message is also universally good. So my problem then is why, why do I struggle to share this story. If it's true, and if it's good, 
what's, what's going on? Why, why are there people that I spend time with that don't really know what all of, I, uh, all of is making up my belief? Why are there people in your lives that don't know what you believe? If it's both true and good, that means we've got, we've got such an amazing thing that we cannot actually oversell. If you think about, think about every time you've uh, hesitated uh, to share your faith, or think about a time maybe where uh, you didn't let the conversation go that way, even though the door was, was wide open. There was a time in college where God was doing a lot of cool things in my life, and I was really experiencing his goodness. Uh, I meet up with a friend from high school uh, who was going into engineering or something uh, really smart, and uh, he, we were talking about faith and, and worldview. And uh, the door opened for me to share this amazing story of what God has done in Jesus, and I, I didn't share it because, and as I analyzed this back, it was because all I felt like I had was, well, the story is really good, the story is really good, God is really good, but how am I going to show him that it's also true? And because I didn't have both, I, di- I didn't share. Or worse, even, and this is more recently, uh, door opened in a conversation with a family friend, uh, and I was like, man, I, I know what I would say uh, uh, to, to verify this whole thing. I could, I, could, I could give him all these reasons from all these different uh, types of facts and stuff uh, to show that our message is true and he needs to believe it. But I, I wrestled with, is he going to really find it good and helpful in his life? See, every time we don't share, it's like we're forgetting either that it's true or that it's good. And we need to understand as God is showing us in Ephesians 1, that our message is both true and good. True and good. So do you know why it's true? Do you know why it's good? And if you don't, we'll start getting some help and, 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 and working that through so that you've got both of these things so that the world can also hear and believe in something they desperately, desperately need. Uh, there was a study... Uh, recently uh, from an organization called the Barna Group, and they found, and this, this is just really weird to me, that uh, 47% of Christian millennials say it's wrong to share their faith. And at first I thought that's probably not true because stats are sometimes weird and, and, and strange. But then I thought, okay, well, one out of every two conversations I have, do I hesitate, do I back away? And there's a variety of reasons, obviously. Uh, David Kinnaman, the, the, um, the Christian researcher uh, who's ahead of this, he, he talks about uh, evangelism or, or sharing the good news. And he says, you know, as, as much as ever, like in 2019, it's not just about saving the unsaved, but reminding ourselves this stuff matters. It really matters. Life and death. That the Bible is trustworthy and that Jesus changes everything. He changes everything. It's through Jesus that you can find ultimate help uh, in your family, ultimate help in your marriage. It's through Jesus that you can find ultimate purpose and meaning in life. And that actually changes everything. And if, if it is true and if it is good, this is where the church really becomes relevant, isn't it? It's not because we have, you know, really good coffee. It's not because our social media is crisp. Although those things are true. <laughs> Follow us at Central Heights. Um, but... But because of the way Jesus can use this to transform us. Uh, cultural philosopher and writer, uh, Dr. James Emery Wright, talks about, you know, this, this is really what we have going for us. You know, our relevance isn't found in the capitulation of culture where we just cease uh, to, to do things and, and work. It's not even in, in the copying of culture. It's in the transformation of it. 
And only a message that's objectively true and universally good can do that. And guess what? We have that bound up in the person of Jesus through this gospel that we, that we carry. But it's even better than that because uh, Paul's not done. God's not done here. Uh, when you also were included in Christ, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shows up uh, all throughout even these promises of Jesus coming. Jesus would eventually be the gateway uh, for us to to receive the Spirit. Uh, This is the more of God that he pours out on his church, on his people once he ascends, after he uh, comes back to life and and wins that victory through sacrifice. He pours out the person of the Spirit so that we were reminded, okay, uh, this whole salvation thing, it's not just about us, you know, getting to heaven someday or getting to go to God someday. It's about God coming to us right now so that we've got a power for right now. And, and this person of God living with us right now. And these promises, you can read about uh, a whole bunch of them all throughout the Old Testament. You know, Jeremiah 31, uh, Ezekiel 37, Joel chapter 2. And, and it moves uh, all throughout the, the entire story. Even in, uh, even in the New Testament itself, there's, there's other places. Uh, like in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where Paul describes this another way. He says, all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. We sang about that this morning. That is why it's through Jesus that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also, also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee I love that it's a guarantee because I don't know if you notice, and maybe this is just my negative way of viewing the world, most things in life that are guarantees aren't really good. Like taxes, people sliding into the ditch when there's snow in Abbotsford. Um, you know, a lot of things that are guarantees just aren't necessarily good news for us. But this really is. We've got a guarantee that is really, really, really good. In ancient times, and actually there's still uh, cultures that do this today, um, the packages and letters uh, uh, would be sealed with a seal so that uh, people would know who owned them, who, who actually is the sender here. And if the seal was intact, you know the contents were kept secure. And that's what's happening for us. When we put our trust in Jesus, when we turn from our, our sin, trust in him as the rescuer and ruler of our life, he comes and takes up residence in us through the Holy Spirit. And that's our seal as Christians that we are now owned by the king, the almighty creator of the universe. Uh, in another place, uh, just, just one example of where this is described elsewhere, Galatians chapter 4, uh, where Paul says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Because we couldn't keep it. We couldn't help ourselves. We needed somebody else to, to do this for us. So that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, meaning father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And all of these words, heir, adoption, chosen, loved, all of these things is what we've been bringing to the forefront because God has brought them to our forefront in Ephesians chapter 1 through the work of Jesus on our behalf so that we would realize this is the unrivaled best life. 
all of these things are true of us. Even just camp on one word. Camp on air for a couple of days and realize, I'm an heir? Like an heir with God? Like with Jesus? Like what? Like all of these things. Profound, incredible. A guarantee for us. But we're not done. Uh, Ephesians 1, uh, 13 and 14 keep going. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. A deposit guaranteeing our redemption to the praise of his glory. In his uh, commentary to the Ephesians, uh, of Ephesians, uh, William Barclay puts it this way, what Paul is saying is that the experience of the Holy Spirit which we have in this world is a foretaste of the blessedness of heaven and it's the guarantee that someday we will enter into full possession of the blessedness of God. The language Paul is using here in the Greek comes from the Greek business world where Phoenician traders, you'd have two parties and, and they, would, they would put forward a deposit. The Greek word is arabon and they'd put forward this, this, this sum uh, to, as a pledge to go, hey, the rest is coming. So, you know, uh, Mrs. Uh, Clausen wants to buy a uh, cow in the field and, uh, you know, she has to put forward this deposit, this arabon, so that, you know, the, the, the seller will go, okay, so the rest is going to come later. Or Mr. Thiessen wants to sell his land. Well, he's going to expect some sort of arabon, some sort of deposit, to make sure that these people are serious about this, right? You do this for your tuition at school. You're, you're looking to buy a, a home in the Fraser Valley, and you give your kidneys for a arabon, right? Right? So it's like we, we understand this concept of down payment, and that's what God is saying. I have done that through the Holy Spirit who I'm giving you. Which means as amazing as this is right now, there's actually more to come. There's more to come. And where this really lands for me is, is that the Holy Spirit, and this, the whole idea here is that this isn't just simply, merely a passive guarantee for something in the future. No, it's an active power for the present. And as I was thinking about this this week, I was reminded of a time where I went on a hike with a, with a youth group a couple years ago. Uh, we were in this beautiful place in the Rockies. We, had, we knew we were, we were headed towards this amazing summit. We were going to spend the night there. And so we hike up. And it was the most grueling hike I've ever been on, like four to five kilometers, mostly vertical. Uh, it was just crazy. We were exhausted the whole way. But we knew, you know, that the end is going to be great. We're just going to keep slogging it out. We're going to make it there. Hours go by. It's starting to get hot and warm. But, but you know, we're, we're experiencing a little bit of the reward. Like the air is changing. The view is changing. Uh, it's getting really, really nice. Uh, and then we kind of after, after feeling super exhausted, uh, we, the, the trail kind of clears out into this clearing. And we're, at this, we're in this bog we're like, what? This can't be it. And I mean, fortunately, I wasn't leading it, so I'll, I won't take the blame for it. So I asked the other leader, I'm like, is this, this, is this it? Like this bog? Like how are we going to set up camp here? And, and, he, and he paused and he's like, I think, I think about two kilometers back we should have taken the trail the other way. The, su the, summit, the summit's over there and we're, we're like way down here. That's, that's not good. And so it's like, I mean, like students were losing their bags off the sides of cliffs. The whole trip was just a disaster. Like, I'm just super exhausted. And, and you know, we have to make the trip three times as long or just, it's just frustrating because we didn't, we, we actually never even made it. We, we camped out somewhere else. It was just nonsense. And um, the, the, it was frustrating and exhausting. This reminds me a bit uh, about life. 
And I don't have, you know, a mountain here, but I, I, do, have, I do have stairs. Uh, so, um, and these days this feels similar to a hike anyways. So, um, parenthood. And um, so, I often thought, you know, okay, life is kind of like, I, I need to just kind of get to this next level. I need to like level up through my accomplishments, everything. I'm, I'm always working towards something. I'm always waiting for something, praying into something. And so uh, in college, I was like, well, maybe that something uh, that will, you know, I'll achieve happiness and joy and peace and success and all that, the contentedness. Well, once I get out of college, I'll have made it, right? And so, you know, I, I do the research, I do the writing, uh, I sit through the, the lectures, uh, and I eventually get the degree. And it's like, all right. But then I'm like, wait, there's still, there's more stairs. It's like I can only see one, one stair at a time. I, I think the next step is always the last one. I think the summit is just, just one more. So it's like, okay, well, I'm not there yet. Uh, okay, I graduated. Uh, maybe, maybe it's getting a job. That, that must be it. And so you, you, you pray, you discern, uh, you look around, you, you find options, you apply for those options, you interview for those options, you fill out uh, lengthy applications packages for those options. Eventually you get selected, you get hired, and it's like, wow, okay, we made it. But we didn't make it. This isn't the summit yet. Okay, uh, well, what, what's next? Okay, well, maybe it's, maybe it's buying a home. Uh, so uh, well, that's going to be a bit more tricky because we got you know, to meet up with lawyers, mortgage brokers. We've got to you know, put together our finances and our savings, figure out the monthly cost of all this thing, uh, go through inspections, work with realtors, uh, set up appointments, sign papers. But wow, we did it. We, we made it. Okay, well, we're, we're still, still not there. What, what maybe... Maybe I gotta buy a new car. Maybe that'll be it. Maybe I'll. Maybe I need to have another kid. Maybe that'll be it. Uh, 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 maybe you know. It's gotta. Be, it's gotta be something. And, and we always have this. Well, once I get there. Once I get there. Once this happens. Once that investment goes through. Once that relationship works out. Once I make that sports team. Once I pass that exam. Then I'll have made it to the summit of my human experience of joy and contentedness. But for some reason, every step of the way, it's like. And even if we can't see it, and we don't even know where it is, it's like out of nowhere, a whole other set of stairs comes. Like, what? What is happening? And we start at the bottom, and now we're here, and it's like, what? Where, where, how is it that I can never get to the top? How is it that there's always one more thing to wait for? How is it that there's always one more thing to work towards, to pray towards? And sometimes it doesn't even feel like I'm ascending the staircase of life. Sometimes it feels like I'm falling down the staircase, you know? Like, we got the job, but all of a sudden, my, my health takes a weird turn, so it feels like I, okay, well, once I get the health thing back on track, then I'll have made it to the summit, but it's like, okay, well, that's, that's, still, that's still not it. And it's like the, the cycle continues all throughout life. There's always something more. Once I get there, once I get there, once this happens, then I'll have made it to the top. And our God and the good news of our gospel, all that we are reading about in, in Ephesians chapter 1, the fact that when we heard a true message the good news of our salvation and believed we received the Spirit as an inheritance, a deposit, a seal, a guarantee, a secure thing for our present and for our future. That is our summit. We are at the top. And what that shows us, what Paul is trying to show us, what God is trying to show us as Christians is what you already have now in Jesus is greater than anything you could gain or lose in life. Whatever you win, whatever you lose, whatever you gain, whatever you lose, what you already have is greater than those things. You are at the top. 
And it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't change the amount of excellence and enhancement, the prayers we want to see, the things we want to see happen, but it does change our starting point, doesn't it? The Holy Spirit as a seal, as a deposit, this true and good message bound in the person and work of Jesus on our behalf. All of this securing the best life. And so that our starting point is this this shift in perspective to understand we are at the top. Now, I know sometimes, and maybe you're like me, you don't always feel it. And I think that's partly because, I mean, the way I analyze life, I think about details, and oftentimes I make this list, and it's a terrible list to make. Sometimes it's useful, but it's it's the what-if list. You ever have that where you're laying awake uh, in, in bed, and you're going, oh, but what if this occurs, or what if that is said, or what if this, you know, group of people does that, or what if, you know, the, just the what-ifs start piling up? Like, I, you know, like, it's like I start making this list of what ifs, and, may, and maybe you're in this spot too where it's like, okay, well, I've heard all this, but, you know, what if those tests, what if those tests show that I've actually got a medical problem? What if I don't get that job? What if I get passed over for that raise or that promotion? What if that relationship doesn't work out? What if my decisions have unforeseen consequences? What if I choose the wrong path in life? What if I fail that test? What if I don't make that soccer team? What if that relationship is never restored that I would really like restored? What if I never, you know, join that friend group that I want to join? And the what ifs, the what ifs, the what ifs, like, and, and all of these things, you know, they start to make us go crazy. You know, what if, what if my finances take a turn for worse? What if I never get out of this debt? What if the insurance claim doesn't come through? What, what, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And that can really start to bog us down and make us, you know, kind of lose sight of this perspective of the gospel. And that's why what we need to do is use places like Ephesians chapter 1 to go, okay, all these what-ifs, they might be real, they might not be, they're what-ifs. Why don't we start looking at what is? What is? Because when we start looking at what is, do you notice Actually, how much of a fight that puts up against the what-if list. So if I start making the what-is, the what-is list, and I go through, I go through Ephesians chapter 1, and I find 1 verse 3, every spiritual blessing. 1 verse 4, I'm chosen by God. 1 verse 4, I'm loved by God. 1 verse 4, I'm faultless before God. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to put myself back in the right place. 1 verse 5, I'm adopted into God's forever family. 1 verse 6, I am blessed with glorious grace. 1 verse 7, redemption. 1 verse 7, forgiveness for my wrongdoing. 110, future. 111, inheritance. 112, hope. 113, truth. 113, salvation. 113, security that comes with the power and the presence of the Spirit. 114, a guarantee for more. What is, is what we need to be focusing on because all of our what-ifs in life are vastly, greatly stamped out by what is in Jesus. All of it. And it's apart from our effort, it's apart from our, you know, good standing or or worthiness, it's all because of him, all because of him. All of our what-ifs greatly, greatly outweighed by what is ours now in Jesus. So have you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed so that you are marked, so that you are sealed, so that you are 
holding this deposit for more right now. I want to finish by sharing a weird habit I have. Um, why do you think it's going to be funny? <laughs> um, this may be a little funny. I, you know, I really love storytelling. I love movies. And something I've started doing, and I'm starting to make disciples of this type of thing, actually, which is kind of weird, is I, like, I really like to avoid the trailers to movies, you know, the TV spots, the teasers. I just don't want to know anything. I don't want to know what the characters look like. I don't want to know where they are. I don't want to know what the set looked like. I don't want to have any expectation of what's going on in the story because I want to hear the story, see the story, experience the story in the way the filmmaker wanted me to, in the order and then the time they wanted me to, right? And this is really hard to do because, you know, the trailers and media, they're, they're everywhere. I just don't like spoilers, you know? Like a spoiler is, you know, that the, the, it ruins the surprise. It kind of gives away something. And people are always like, yeah, but that one didn't give away. I'll be the judge of what it gave away, all right, okay? The, the, the teasers are giving away too much, okay? But, but I started to think about this idea. If, if, if the Holy Spirit really is like a, the teaser of the kingdom of God, how hard are we making it for people to have that kingdom spoiled? before it ever arrives. The reality is, is there's people who aren't in this room right now that you spend a lot of time with, that I spend a lot of time with, that don't know about the summit, that don't know about the spirit, that don't know about the, the, the good and true message of Jesus. Is the way we're living our lives ruining the movie for them? So that there is no surprise? I, I would be so tragic if those people that I, that I might even message later on today, interact with later on today, that, that aren't in here right now, that don't know him right now, it'd be tragic if they enter eternity like I enter a movie theater, not knowing what was to come, not knowing what they should have expected, not knowing the amazingness of all that is revealed now. Are our lives, are our lives, is the teaser of the Holy Spirit in our lives spoiling the movie of the kingdom of God in other people's lives? Do we realize what we have? And do others realize it as well? Father, help us. Help us to see all that is ours because of Jesus. To truly, deeply know what you say about us. What's available now. No matter we, whether we feel like we're ascending the staircase or falling down it or waiting for something else. We're so grateful. We're so grateful for what you've already done, already said, already given. And may our city and our world and the people we know know you like that. for everybody in here who needs that shift in perspective. I pray that you would grant that to us where we are at right now. The things that have been bogging us down for far too long about our identity, about our activity in life. Help us to see it through the lens of what you've already done for us. Help me with that, Lord for your glory and for our good. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.